Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday morning, and let's see if we can talk about the Parsha this week, <coughs> getting around to it, uh, which is going to be my midway, obviously, just before she was. Today, a podcast being sponsored by uh, Chaim Kruger, Chaim Shoshi Kruger, here in Baltimore, uh, good friends of mine, and um, Chaim is doing it because this is interesting. Um, let's put it this way. He's got, uh, well, his, he's talking about his grandmother now, who, um, it's her birthday on, uh, for, for her family. Wait a second. And Shavuos is the, t- let's put it this way, she's from Hungary in the Second World War. I know how this works. The Hungarian uh, the Jews had it okay until 1944. Then the Germans came in, I guess something around Pesach time, Purim time. And Shavuos was a terrible time. That's when they shipped over everybody to Auschwitz. And he said, his grandmother, Mrs. Sylvia Weiss in Brooklyn, New York, Holocaust survivor in the late 90s. Okay, so she was in the war. Whose family was deported from their town in Hungary or Romania. I explained that two weeks ago. Hungary, a piece of Romania was given back to Hungary, unfortunately, and that's how the Jews went there. And they arrived in Auschwitz on Shavuos of 1944, and many were killed. So they're paying tribute to their memory. You know what I'm saying? Their memory. At the same time, this is grandmother's birthday, as though she was. So that's how it works with uh, the Jews, you know. In one hand, it's the simple. The other hand, it's the opposite. We pay tribute to the memory of those who perished in the in the Holocaust. But we wish uh, good fortune to the grandmother, whose whose uh, birthday it is. Actually, it's interesting on Shabbos. Um, and so here we are. Let's put it this way: that means she's from the door midbar. The generation had to go through the Holocaust. Now, in this week's Parsha, we're dealing with with the original Dor Hamidbar. And uh, let's get right down to that. Uh, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. I think there are three models of how Jews um, can organize or disorganize. Right now, as I speak, Eretz Israel is in a war. Unfortunately, the Arabs are sending rockets everywhere. And, you know, they send so many rockets, you can't stop them all. It's very bad. In Tel Aviv, I'm just going on the internet. You see bombs are landing in Gushdan area and so forth. And I don't know what the next days will bring. It's quite a business for Shavuos time. And uh, anyway, there it is. Now, and the Arabs, of course, are, are riding everywhere in Lud. And I don't know what. You, you you follow the news as I do. It's a very serious time. It's just before Shavuos. And now reading about um, Bamidbar. As we all know, the number one problem in Israel is lack of unity. Uh, everybody knows that. And the political situation is amazing. It's still dysfunctional. They don't have a government. Between Bibi and Gantz and this one and that one, you know, and Lapid and all the others, it's it's a shame even to mention all the names of these bozos. Because they can't put together a national unity government in the face of what's a war. They'd rather let the Sinashin prevail. So, so much for the speaches about the stampede in, um, what do you call it, in Miron. 
the disunity continues. And that's because the, the fact, they, I'll say it again, you can't put together a national unity government, which they did in 1967, by the way. And what I mean by that is the left-wing parties, the right-wing parties at that time joined together in a national unity government because of a national security crisis. I think it's a national security crisis going in Israel right now, but they're playing around like on the Titanic. You know, they don't care. Now, this is sad. Now, having brought that issue up, let's take a look at Parshat Bamidbar. We have something very, very interesting. Talk about the flags and how the Jewish people are supposed to march, right? And um, Moshe Rabbeinu is getting everybody organized, and Hashem tells him that there's a system. Uh, I want everybody to march according to the Diglo, the, the Dego, with certain signs, the base of Osam. And that's it, they should do it. And, they, and we have a whole long laning about how every tribe should be located exactly where it is. The only thing is, the Olamod should be in the middle. The Mishkan should be in the middle. So that's the interesting model. And where you say like this, the Jews are going to be a long time in the desert, eventually 40 years, unfortunately. Even if it hadn't happened 40 years, they would have to take some time to march from Mount Sinai. At the time, the Talmud video is still on Mount Sinai. They have to march from Mount Sinai to Israel. Um, it has to be some system. It can't be a total Balgan. Um, how's everybody going to do it? Each one be in a certain system. So that you know, Pashim Shad, if you're from the tribe of Ruven, you should be located over here. If you ever get lost, just look for the Mishkan in the middle and then do your calculations. My tribe is north or south or whatever, according to the plan. This is a very interesting model. And I'll tell you what I mean. When the, the, we know there are 12 tribes or 13 tribes. The good Lord set it up that way. So that means the Jews are always going to have divisions, at least tribal, if not more, and just acknowledge it and live with it. <clears throat> there are what you call, the, the Jewish people are a federal reality, not a unitary reality. Federal reality means there are different states. And uh, the idea of different states or different provinces is we can all agree for higher uh, purposes, but local purposes, each one wants to do his own thing. You get into autonomy. So, in American history, at least traditionally, the South was different than the North. The Midwest has its ways. The Pacific Coast states have their ways, and so forth. It's all the same language. It's all the same government at the federal level. It's all the same uh, currency, but there are local variations. In our time, some of my younger listeners, uh, you know, might wonder what I'm talking about because modern technology and political correctness have combined to sort of homogenize the differences between the states, uh, between the TV culture and the political correct culture and all the rest, right? There's a certain amount of, of deprecation of states' rights, especially when states' rights is associated with the slavery in American history. And there's a certain amount of truth to that. Nevertheless, it's also true Regions and states have their own uh, ways. Same thing was true of Claudius Roll long ago, and true today in a different way. I'll get to that in a second. So long ago, you had the different tribes, Reuben, Shimon, Levi, Hudi, Sukkar, and so forth. And they're different, you know. The Minigan Reuben is to act this way. The Minigan Yisachar is to act that way. It could be. You understand? What, this tribe likes this type of food, that tribe's like that type of food. It could be. Like in America, you know, in the South, they cook one way. In the Midwest, possibly they cook another way, and so forth. Eventually, as you all know, they came to Eretz Yisrael, and God Almighty decided which tribe should be where through a lottery system. And you can be sure that when they lived for so many centuries in Eretz Yisrael, 
those who lived like in the Galil obviously had a different way of living than those who live in the Negev, like Yehud and, and, and Shimon. And that's the way God set up those who live in the Jordan Valley, which is hot like the devil in the summer and humid. is different than those living in the mountains. And even the Chazal tell you in the Gemara Megillah, I remember, not all the tribes like what they ended up with, right? And, you know, um, who was it? Uh, Naftali Amram, he saw the, so one of the tribes, Yisachar Zvulun, whoever didn't like what they ended up with. It could be, but that they had to get used to it, okay? So you have the Metsias of different tribes, and they're different, and you can't impose the norms of one or the other. At the same time, there's always the possibility that it could all fall apart, and each tribe could go its own direction. So in English, we would say there's always a constant existential tension between the centrifugal forces on the one hand and the centripetal forces on the other. It's known very often in history. The centrifugal forces would pull each tribe apart, from the others, do its own thing. And the centripetal tendencies are the ones to keep the tribes together and, and promote the, the commonality. We are, now it's fascinating to me that it so happens that this Saturday you're reading by Midbar and Sunday night is Shavuos. Why? Two models. What is Sunday night? What happened in Shavuos? You had a rare case where the, where the centripetal tendencies, the achdus tendencies, tremendously overwhelmed the pirud tendencies. And God sees that moment to give him the Torah. <laughs> the, the way you read it is, he brought him to Harsinai, and since it was, Vayichan Yisrael Negedahar, since the Levichad, Levichad Hashem, so let's hop around and take advantage of this. Once everybody's got Levichad, then they're in a matzav that they can say Nasev and Ishma. Because if it's not Yishachad Levichad, what's going to happen is like this. When Shimon and, and Levi say Nasa ben Ishma, Yisachar and Zulun say, well, what about us? You didn't ask us. We didn't say Nasa ben Ishma. You know what I'm saying? As soon as one tribe does it, the other one gets to turn off. Why? That's the stupidity of the Jews. That's how we are. <laughs> Get over it. Only when it was for a minute, could it be that the whole Jewish people could say Nasa ben Ishma and to be no dissenters. That's the remarkable part of this. In my opinion, that is why they have such a word of Yishachar Levi. Where did Chazal get it from? I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but I always like to work backwards. Since we have this uh, tradition, Isha Cholevichad, see, either you can simply say they had such a Masorah, that's the easy, cheap way out, or you can say you can discern this from the Pesukim in, 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 in uh, Shavuos. And since the people said Nasim and Ishmael, that means everybody was holding on the same page. What? The Jews were holding on the same page? The Satmer and the Wayu? The Lakewood and the and the, and the Lubavitch, all on the same page. How'd that happen? Must be Kisha Chalevichad. That there was, for a minute, for a short time, there was unanimity. And once you have unanimity, you can get things passed. Right? You get measures taken. As long as there's not unanimity, it's much harder. Because Gufa, the fact that one says yes, makes the other one say no. That's how the Jews are. Okay? It's not only us, but I'm talking about the Jews over here. So that's one model. That's not the model we're going to read the Shabbos. And Shem, we're reading Shabbos says, The Jews will be tribalistic. Each one should stick to its own shavit. And each shavit will occupy somewhere along the spectrum. The only thing is, we require, we, we, we require God requires that it should be centered on the Mishkan. So, in other words, what he's saying is like this it's possible. To be on the right is possibly on the left, as long as the Mishkan's in the middle. 
if you go so far away, yeah, you're on the left, and there's no Mishkan, then you, you've left the, the reservation, my friends. That's what happened in the last 200 years. The left-wingers went too far off the, uh, off the deep end, and they have no connection anymore with the Mishkan. So you have Reform Judaism Conservative, which is dying. Just read the new Pew report that was released yesterday. What else is new? Um, they claim, we're, we're Jewish just like everybody else, and our Judaism is just as, as legitimate as anyone else's. We occupy the left wing on the spectrum. This, this argument, as you know, was accepted about a month ago by the Israeli Supreme Court. But he said something, I don't follow the news that closely, but I know the Israeli Supreme Court says that Israel has to recognize the reform conversions and conservative conversions and things like that. So what are they saying? The court is saying, the court's chiloni. These people are on the spectrum. They just occupy the left wing of the spectrum. What do the Orthodox say? They don't. Why not? Because it's not centered around the Mishkan. No, they don't believe in the Torah. Not really. They don't have Jewish fundamentals. They don't believe and Shavuos, really. They don't believe there was a Matan Torah. <laughs> Instead, into the Torah was written by different people at different times in different situations and stitched together. So according to them, Matan Torah is a myth. It didn't happen. <laughs> so if that's the Reformed Taina, that ain't Hanami, it's true what you're saying. But that's the left wing of the spectrum. The Orthodox Taina, if you're not connected to the Mishkan, <laughs> if you're not locating yourself in relation to the Mishkan, as the Pasik says, <laughs> then, then you're not part of the Machna. <laughs> See? They say, yes, we are. There you have the fights of the last 200 years. And they go until today. That is exactly the fights. The Reformed, the Conservative, the others all get angry at the Orthodox because they say, we're part of the Machna. The Orthodox say, no, because it's not related. You don't relate yourself to the to the Saviv Mod Yachnu. You don't have the Torah in the middle. There you have it on, on, on Shavuos. So, this coming week, for some Jews, it'll be the anniversary of Matan Torah, and the others they say it's not, it's a myth. It didn't happen. That's a sad fact, but there you have it. And by the way, same thing with Pesach, same thing with the other holidays, you know that. So we have two different models. One is Vayichan Yisrael Negedahar. Everybody achieved for a moment a unanimity. All the tribes didn't matter where they were. It doesn't say that Moshe Rabbeinu said, I want this tribe to stand on the right side of Mount Sinai, and I want that tribe to stand on the back of Mount Sinai. Don't say those words, right? Vayichan Yisrael negat a heart. So they're all tzimish, you know, conglomerated. So that made everybody But that's momentarily. That's momentary. We cannot expect in a real world, I don't even think the Rabbani Shalom said it up that way, that as a norm, you'll have ki'ishachad levachad. Simply because we're not like that. Think of the community in which you live, maybe even the people in your shul. You're not all the same. Right, but certainly in the community where you live, some are to the right, some are to the left, some are more forward, and some are a little behind. Isaiah Gaitas, you understand? So the model that they're saying over here is a very powerful model. Now I want to tell you something interesting. There's a lot to talk about this. Um, it's a very interesting chiskuni. What does it mean? Ishal digla osos What do you mean the osos? So it's a good question how to translate that. But the chiskuni. It was one of those Pashtonim, you know, but always very highly original. In France, he says, uh, you know, in the time of Tosos, he says, the Oses were the letters. What letters? I think it's fascinating. Listen to this. I'll dig a Osos, this is the Chizkuni. But the Golem, he argues, he suggests the following. But the Golem, how you Kosov Osios, Shoshmosa Ovos. 
the different flags, because it says the, the tribes should rally around flags. The different flags on the four sides on the Mishkan had certain letters, I repeat, certain letters of the patriarchs' names in them, of Avram Yitzhak Yaakov. Keitzad, Keitzad, Hayuksubis Bedegel Ruvain, Alf Yud Yud. So in one of the flags, like let's start with Ruvain, that's one of the first flags. And you know, it says in our Pasha, Degel Machne this, Degel Machne that, you know, right? Degel Machne Ephraim, Degel Machne Ruvain, Degel Machne Don, and the other tribes are Chonimalov. You know, you know, I don't have to read you the Pasha. So it says that um, he suggests that on the Degel Ruvain, it said Alf Yud Yud. What does it mean, Alf Yud Yud? The first letter to the name of Avraham, the first letter to the name of Yitzhak, the first letter to the name of Yaakov, Alf Yud Yud. Besheni, on second flag, Chvesa, Ephraim, whoever that was, Beis Tadiyayin. What does that mean? Betza. Uh, Beis is the second letter of the name of Abraham. Right? Sadi is the second letter of the name Yitzhak. And Ayin is the second letter of the name Yaakov. And the third one, Rachak. And the fourth, Makov. So in other words, the, each um, flag was written on it, part of the names of the others which is just very, very interesting, because what it therefore means is you're suggesting that, yes, we have 12 tribes, but each tribe had a chalik of the others. That's what I think he means. In other words, Avram Avinu and Yitzhak and Yaakov, each one of them had in themselves, I repeat in themselves, how should I put it, right-wing kochos, left-wing kochos, progressive kochos, regressive kochos. You get it? Each of the others had this in them. It just came out in full manifestation form in the tribes, in the 12, in the 12 children. Uh, so in other words, Avram had within him the battle between, between Yosef and the brothers, if you want to follow that. He had the Yosef stuff in him, but he also had the brothers stuff in him. And so did Yitzhak and so did Yaakov. Point being, there is diversity, but within a, a, a unanimity, within singleness. As we say in English, e pluribus unum. Out of many comes one, or maybe the other way around. E unum pluribus. Out of one comes many. You see? Out of one comes many. Because uh, we're saying that they had all these cocos in them. That's just very psychologically interesting. Because I'm asking you, the listener, you know, how many cocos do you have in you? Not everybody's built in a simple way that, you know, you're like this. You're, you're like Yosef. You're like Ruby. You're like Shimon. Chances are... You're more complex than that. And sometimes, maybe at certain periods of your life, you were this type of person. And in another period of your life, you're another type of person. You know how that works, right? I hope that's true. A person who has no development over the course of their life is a stickle weird as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you're still holding by the same uh, shitas and same ashkafas exactly when you're 15-year-olds and you're 50 years old. It's probably not. To use American English, some people over the course of their life move to the right, some move to the left, some move around, some become more forward or progressive, come regressive. Has to do with when you live, what your surroundings are, who you marry, what your kids are like, school you went to, the school you end up living in, the job you end up, you know, all kind of issues like that. Right? All kind of issues like that. I see it all the time. So do you. And what he's saying over here is, um, this is all in Avram and in Yitzhak and in Yaakov. Right? The, the first letters, the second letters, and the last letters. 
And so the flags, if you go with this chizkuni, the flags are highly symbolic, right? And what each flag was saying is, we're part of the others. We're just a certain part of the others. And we represent, uh, again, I'll just make this up. We represent Avram Yitzhak Yaakov in their young years. And another flag said, we represent Avram Yitzhak Yaakov in their middle years. And the later years, or something like that. Whatever you want to play with. Any rabbi who's listening to this can take what I'm saying and turn it into a shalom for your own speech this week and in your own shul. But um, it's it's the, the symbolism is remarkable, but it's very different than Vayichan Yisrael Negadahar. It is a federal system. But as I said before, the federal system depends on having the Mishkan in the middle. Just like in the United States of America, where I live, we have different states, we have a federal system. But in, in the American secular religion, the Constitution of the United States is the Mishkan, <clears throat> so to speak. They all agreed on that. And some states are more uh, conservative, uh, socially and otherwise. Some states are more liberal. But they all agree. As long as they all agree, they have the, the, the glue. You understand? And same thing with the Kalah Yisrael. As long as they all agree, they have the glue. So let's go back 200 years ago, for example, before the Reform and Conservative started. 300 years ago, whatever you want. You had all kinds of Jews out there. And um, let's take, for example, 300 years ago, which would put us in the 1700s. So you had your Eastern European Jews, you had your Sephardic Jews, you had your Italian Jews, you had the Portuguese Jews, Yemenite Jews, these are just names that come to me, <clears throat> come to mind. At that time, let's say the year 1700, 1721, so all of them were from, in the sense that they all believed in God and believed in the Torah. Um, in Eastern Europe, you'd have uh, no Torah Derek Harris, but in Italy, you would have Torah Derek Harris. You know, I've done in podcasts many times. I hope you listen, you know, meaning I assume you did. You know, some of these Italian rabbis had PhDs, MDs, you know, people like that in Padua and whatever, very from people. That was their mahalach. In, um, in Poland, wouldn't be heard of, right? The Dutch Jews, I mean, the uh, Jews in Holland, the Portuguese Jews, dressed very uh, goyish because they came from Portuguese Morano backgrounds. The Jews in other places dressed very Jewish, right? Uh, so consider, for example, in the middle 18th, 18th century, you look at one Jew in London or Amsterdam, and another Jew is a Hasid. One guy's dressed very uh, uh, Hasidish, as we, obviously. The other one's dressed very not. But that's okay. They both are from. They both put on tefillin. They both kept the mitzvahs. The only thing is, one guy was under a degel that was to the left, shall we say, and one guy was under Degel to the right, but it was Saviv, uh, you know, Mineget Saviv Lolmo Yachnu. They all had in mind the old mode in the center. Right? Now, here's my point. You have the Harsinai model, which is, we're going to be commemorating on uh, Sunday night. Those that stay up, I'm hoping to have a program in my show. Hopefully, it'll work. With the mass, everything will be staying up and learning. Uh, as they try to do every year. Um, that's one model. Then you have the model of the of the, the golem that you have in today's, uh, in today's Parsha, which I'm talking about now. And then, as we all know, my friends, the Jews ended up, um, in the course of Jewish history, with the tribes being destroyed. Uh, the ten tribes are gone. And was left with Yehudah ben Yaman and Levi and so forth, without getting into the nitty-gritty Details of that, and eventually Yudamid Yom is destroyed. Meaning, meaning, in terms of identity, nobody knows today whether they come from Yudamid Yom. 
I know many people claim they come from David Melch and all the rest of it. My mother has a yichus brief like it also. But as I point out many times, you don't really know how reliable those things are, even though people scream. Uh, and the bottom line is, I'm a Kohen, I think, right? We're all Kohanim, Bechazaka. There's no such thing, really, as a Kohen that can trace all the way back. Such a thing is not possible, despite the claims that are made. <laughs> so let's just go with the fact that as far as I know, I'm a Kohen. As far as you know, you're a Levi, and the third guy is a Yisrael. But the a tribal identity is not really there the way it once was. If you want to know what tribal identity was, look at the book of Ezra, where everybody had Mamash Ayichas brief that was confirmed by Basin every generation, and you could prove that way who your Ovos are. Nobody can do that today. You can go back a couple hundred years. I can uh, go back on my mother's side anyway, a couple hundred years or more. But that's it. You understand? What everybody does is they say, I come from David Melch, whose yard said, of course, is coming and Shavuos. And you say, how can you prove David Melch? Well, I can prove back to Rashi, and everybody knows I can trace myself back to Rashi, which, by the way, is possible. That is possible. You can go back to France in the uh, 11th century. But then they'll say, and everybody knows Rashi came from David Melch or something like that. So then you made your leap of faith. You can't prove that at all. You know, saying you're going by a Masora or something like that. That's not proof at all. Right? But whatever. God arranged matters that it should be this way. It didn't just happen. So what does that mean? Today we don't have Shvatim in the classic sense. However, it's funny. In every generation, the Jewish people arrange themselves along to shvat, uh, certain new types of Shvatim. So as I said before, if you went back 300 years ago, you find a Portuguese Jew and a Polish Jew and a German Jew and a Turkish Jew and so forth. Today, in our time, the year 2021, in our lifetimes, the Shvatim have rearranged themselves, shall we say? Destiny has rearranged them along different lines. And I'm not even talking about Orthodox conservative reform, even the Orthodox. The Orthodox was pretty doggone split up. Even the yeshivas now are having civil wars like Panavish. You know, they're, they're, they're split up. And so you have you know, the Hasidim and the one, the, the, even the Hasidish world is split up, you know, between the Satmar and the Lababish, for example, and then between the Hasidim and the, and the non Hasidim, you know, the Misnagim, whatever you call them. And then this Yeshivish type, now Yeshivish type, and then Israel came to keep us and the other one, um, and so forth and so on. So, no, we have our Shvatim today. And people just naturally t- uh, uh, trend into this. The um, centrifugal. Tennessee is very powerful. And the MS is, this is true at such a ridiculously local level that you would laugh if it wasn't so sad. I mean, it's funny at the same time. So, for example, I live in Baltimore. Without going into details, obviously, let's just say in Baltimore is two main neighborhoods, Park Heights and Greenspring. They're next to each other, but they're not so close. So, you know, right now you'll say, this, oh, this one lives in Park Heights, but that one's in Greenspring. Now, the differences are infinitesimal, but you want to know something? Somebody wrote about the narcissism of small differences. The, the, the little differences people cherish. So I'm sure in Brooklyn, in Lakewood, in Muncie, in Chicago, in Eretz in Yushalayim, of course, in B'nai Brock, and so on and so forth, all these little differences are there. So whether you like it or not, these are the Shavuotim of nowadays. Right? It's not hereditary in the way it once was, but they're Shavuotim. Uh, it seems that we have this in our blood. And indeed, we say today, the from world, I would say in general, the from world says today to the to the Jew, you want to be a from Jew nowadays. You know what we say to you? 
Yachna B'nai Yisrael. Find your Shevet and stick to it. You want to be a Belzer? Go and be a Belzer. And then stick to it. That's your that's your oath. That's your flag. You want to be a liquid guy? Fine. You want to be a Panavishka guy? Fine. You want to be Vishnitz? Fine. You want to be Sephardi? Fine. You want to be Avadios? If you want to be Each one, you know, find your Shevet. The only thing we insist on, this is what makes you from or not from, is just make sure me negate Savi below Mal Yachnu. Just make sure that we all agree on the on the on the Mishkan part, on the Torah Mitzvahs, on the as I say, the fundamentals and the nominism. Right? Y'all believe in the Torah, y'all believe in the in the mitzvahs. And you know, some people do in mitzvah a little bit differently. Minhagan may be different, mitzvah performance sometimes be different, but basically that's okay. Now, along those lines, it's very interesting to me. I pulled up a map. Where is it because it gets confusing. If you're 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 calling Levi Yisrael, Yisrael today means um, Yehuda ben Yaman, right? There's an infinitesimal percentage of non-Yehuda ben Yaman, but and I'm not referring to Gera. I mean, those who are Jews all the way back go back to the tribes of Yehuda ben Yaman. So let's go and parshas by midbar and have some fun. Where was the Yehuda ben Yaman located in relation to the Mishkan? If you look at the parsha. You'll see, right, that Yehuda is to the right of the Mishkan, and Binyamin's to the left of the Mishkan. Isn't that interesting, right? Does uh, Yehuda? Where is that? You take a look, you'll see, right? Yeah, here it is. Hachonim Kedma Mizracha. Degel Machna Yehuda. So that means those who encamped uh, in the front of the east. So if you take your map and you work it out, you know something? Hold on. Yeah, here you go. Get the Ari, Here's my recommendation. Get the Ari Capital Commission, and, and he's got a map of how the tribes work out. You should probably Google it yourself for a second. Say, you know, Google the Shvatim and the Mishkan. I mean, it's not hard. And you'll see in front of you. Yehuda's on the right, and Binyam's on the left. If you do north to south, you know what I mean. If you if you configure it, so you have north to south, east and west, so then east is to the right, and west is to the left. So we have two models. Right? Who are the two tribes that survived? One, one tribe going way back when was to the right, and so it could be, could be your spiritual genetics. And for Yisrael, you always find yourself more comfortable on the right wing. You may, this may be in your blood, <laughs> right? In your genes. You may go back to the tribe of Yehuda. Alternatively, if you always feel more to the left, or modernish, which is fine, then you may have in your genes, you come back from the tribe of Yemen. Isn't that interesting? And what about the, Le- who's left? Cohen Levi. Levi's a tricky uh, category. Levi's a tricky category. The Levim, of course, and it's outlined in this week's Parsha, right? Part of what we're told in this week's Parsha is that the Levim are separate, right? And that, um, right? Hakav is Matei and so on and so forth. And the Levim, Savi Lamishkan Yachnu, something like that, right? You look in the Parsha. The Levim are in the center, which I think is interesting. The Yehuda encamped on the right, 
These are right wingers. The what do you call it? This one on the left. The Binyamin's on the left, and the Levim are in the center. They're in the center because they're close to the Mishkan, <laughs> right? The true center, which the center is piece of the right and piece of the left, that's the ones who are close to the Mishkan. What does it mean close to the Mishkan? The real Talmud Chacham. The one who sees things not through the politics end. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, it's a famous Rambam. I'm sure you know this. It's quoted many times. Uh, the, the person who's a big Talmud Chacham knows better than the politics. Um, the people you find usually extreme right-wingers, speaking left-wingers, are not the Gedolim. They're the secretaries and the Hetzers on, and the uh, secretaries and the other propaganda-type guys. The people who make most of the and are not the big people. It's the people next to the big people. Right? We all know this. And the big people are Saviv Lamachne Yachnu. They're close to the Mishkan. Therefore, they can see from a broad perspective. Right? Suppose you're a lady. You can see to your right and you can see to your left. You're in the middle. Now, who is descended from the tribe of Levi? Well, you got your Levium. You know, assuming that it's true, your Levium have that in the genes. But the Rambam famously said, you don't have to be descended from the Levium to be this way. Right? You don't have to be descended from the Levium. If you have the right Hashkafa and you have the right amount of Torah knowledge, as we would say today, if you're a Godel, and I mean the word Godel, not in the manufacturer sense, you know, he's on the front page of a magazine, but I mean the real Godel, right? Not not, not that you say something popular or not, but the real Godel. Then you have that kind of central broad view, which doesn't mean centrism. It means you can sometimes go to the right and sometimes go to the left. As the situation requires, that's a real Godel. And the Rambam famously says, over there, as we all know, Anybody, whatever tribe, who has in him the inspiration, the gumption, the determination, and he wants to abandon the, uh, what's the right word, the rat race, to separate himself from all the shtus, Hear that? Not for the politics, and not to best be a Rosh Hashiva, and not to get on the front page, and not to wear a frock coat. And is he Yashras? So you never find him associated with anything that's not Yashras. We, we already whittled down that list a lot. And he's cast off from his neck. The So he's not looking like I say for covered or fame. We we whittled this list down a lot. But if you find a person like that, then this Kaddish Kodesh Kodashim, the Rambam says. And this person is this Kaddish Kodesh Kodashim. Hashem will take care of your parnosa, and you can devote yourself to the real thing. God takes care of my shalchmanas atatomach goroli. Right? So what's he saying over there? In my opinion, he's saying that uh, you can be in the center and survey and see all the machnas around you 
and be able to not be a member of any particular machna, and therefore, if you're Zohar, you, you get the respect of all the machnas. There aren't too many like that. I remember when I was younger, Moshe Feinstein, I think, was like that in America. You know, the yeshivas, the modern, this, that, and the other, all, you know, would say like this, if you're Moshe Feinstein, that's it. We find once in a while people like that. That's very different than what I would call a guttle of a machne. You know what I'm saying? That would be somebody who's holding by Degel Machne Ruving, Degel Machne Shimon, Degel Machne whatever. They may represent a chalik of Avram Yitzhak Yaakov. They have an angle of vision, no question about it, but they are not at the center of Judaism. So they can't tell us what to do. The most they can do is say, this is what we do in our Dego. Okay? But they can't uh, unite and dictate for others. They certainly can promote Vayichin Yisrael Negedahar. We have a problem today with all the Achdus. We know this. And it's not easy to find real Gadolm along the lines I just described. But it's worthwhile, in my opinion, I submit, as we come uh, now to uh, Shavuos, and we recall for the moment, perhaps with a certain tinge of sadness, that there was a time when all the Jews had unanimity, at least for a minute, right? And we recall that even one minute of Jewish actress, the real thing, is enough to make Matan Torah to say Nasim and Ishma. Uh, and we don't necessarily have to have that again, because that's very hard to get. How are you going to get in the state of Israel, or Baltimore, or anywhere else, my, you know, Ishachot, Levachot. I'm not the same person as you, and I have a different Lev than you. But that's okay, as long as we, you know, have this situation, like you have Ishbosis, uh, whatever, whatever the Pusik is, you know, Negadavoso, you know, uh, I think that the question, therefore, of unity, what kind of unity, angle of vision, attempt by one to dominate the other, all these are, are uh, very uh, powerful and, um, and sobering uh, realities that certainly um, take the coming holiday of out of the realm of, uh, of cheesecake. Um, anyway, with that, I want to thank again Chaim Kruger and his family for the sponsorship. I hope they'll, the grandmother should have a good birthday, and we should all have a good Shabbos and a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.com dot rabbi david